Hello everyone, I'm Dean Lacey and welcome back to the podcast. This episode was actually recorded about three weeks ago, so sorry for the delay in uploading. In the episode, myself and Dave are joined by Cambridge Harriers top marathon runner Ben Shearer. Ben started training seriously in late 2009 and initially targeted a sub-245 marathon. He soon realised that he could go quicker and in 2012 he cracked a 225 mark. Last year, Ben ran a new PB in Valencia with a time of 2 hours, 23 minutes and 23 seconds. What's this blue t-shirt day? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, glad you all got the memo. It's the Olympics I've missed. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> a bit rude there, Dave. <laughs> well, start what you mean to go on. <laughs> Tough line of questioning from Dave. Yeah, we'll start off easy and then like, just kind of let Dave go for it. So I hope you're ready, Ben. So, uh, Ben, have you, have you listened to any yet? I listened, yeah, I did. I listened to the one with Mick and the one with Caroline. So you got the gist? I got the gist. Yeah. So general, general chit-chat, is it? General chit-chat, yeah, general chit-chat. Sounds good to Until me. Until Dave gets going. <laughs> Dave gets going about the um, yeah. the name the club name change. Oh, we can drop that in later. Yeah, by <laughs> brilliant. I look forward to that. I believe you've extended your family in the two weeks we've been away. I have indeed. I have indeed. Uh, little Isabella was born on the tenth of July. Congratulations! Thanks very much. So a few sleepless nights recently. Cheers, Ben. Thank you. Matchsticks in the eyes. People can't see those. Nice. <laughs> so we'll be working at home today. Oh, dear, you've been actually working today. No, no. I got a got a text message last week asking to to come back into the office. So I was in the office for the first time in oh god, how many months? Four months? Five months? Yeah, it's a little bit strange being back, but to be honest, it's it's a lot <laughs> easier being in work than it is working from home. Anything to get away from childcare. You've only, you've only had a baby for two weeks and you're too good <laughs> responsibilities. Uh, I just a- thought that Tracy should just have some time on her own, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah, I've been stuck with it since early March, Dean, with the kids off school the whole time. It's pretty difficult to juggle everything. Oh, God, yeah, that must have been a nightmare. Yeah. Are you the, te- are you the teacher, Ben? Uh, no, fortunately, my wife is not working, so I kind of uh, <laughs> try to lock myself in my improvised study uh, <laughs> but i do have to do a little bit occasionally yeah so we could have a marathon special today then um ben you've been ticking along seems to be fairly well uh, over lockdown what have you been doing in the absence of any races so yeah i mean it's quite frustrating not to race given i was in pretty good form sort of coming into the year but I think with marathon runners, we're, we're quite used to training on our own, solitary. You've probably seen me running in rings around Sutcliffe Park on a large number of occasions, Dave. So I don't mind it. I don't find it too difficult to self-motivate. So I've been doing tempo runs. Um, when the track was closed, I'd sort of go up to Blackheath um, and, you know, just find anywhere up on the heath to do sort of some short interval stuff around the outside of Sutcliffe Park for tempos, just ticking over really. Um, I did actually manage to go, I, I hit my longest streak ever of 
without a day off because I normally have a day off before racing and without any racing I, I think I got to about 130 140 days with no day off and I took I took one off a couple of weeks ago so. well that's pretty impressive <laughs> but yeah I suppose out of all the probably um, athletes probably distance runners certainly marathon runners have probably done the best out of this I mean they've obviously had no races but in terms of training They've probably been the least disrupted out of any any of the athletes, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I guess you don't really need a track. So, I mean, I was trying to sort of get myself into reasonable five k shape over summer in case you know, in case we did have a chance to race. And I've done a couple of virtual efforts, which have been okay, given no access really to a track until the last three weeks. But yeah, we can just do mileage, Dave. Um, tempo runs as long as you've got somewhere to tempo I mean I, I used to do a lot of my tempos during my sort of work lunch hour up in Victoria Park which I can't do now um, so Rings of Sutcliffe has been sort of the best location I can find around here unless you go down the river but it's not not so fast around there but yeah I guess I mean for us it's just keeping the training going um, well, I know Dean's been finding it a little bit difficult to motivate, but I suppose his background is more on the cross-country side as well. I, I heard you mention Dean in one of your other chats. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah if I'm honest, I definitely prefer cross-country than, than any than any other discipline, to be honest. Um, I do like marathons. Like, I, I love them as like just an event. And, you know, the spectacle of the London Marathon and everything, I think it's fantastic. The atmosphere, the crowd generating everything and you know actually completing a marathon just it feels like such a massive achievement but yeah in terms of yeah actual yeah discipline cross country is my favorite because it is just you know it's just pure pure racing yeah i guess you're not you don't have that focus on time in cross countries do you no exactly yeah myself i'm sort of the opposite i'm really quite focused on um times and when I do my track reps, I'm always sort of logging them to the tenth of a second. Um, whereas cross country is like a pure race, isn't it? Yeah. So if you can't do that, then where's the motivation coming from? I guess. Ben, you were noted uh, over the summer driving a pack heath. The teal was missing, but you were never missing. You was always running around the heath. Yeah, I'm, I've been an ever present up there. <laughs> You can see me up there a lot. I've got a little circuit I've set up on Strava, actually, but um, for a bit of tempo running and intervals on the west side of Blackheath. Um, but it's a bit bit blow, blowy and blustery up there. To be yeah, honest. I mean that is that is the only thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it is a bit. Yeah. Um... Have you two crossed paths at all on the heath? Because you're up there quite a bit as well, aren't you, Dave? Well, I'm always too slow, so I never catch Ben. I'm always <laughs> shouting in the distance for him, but he never waits. I've seen Dave occasionally, but I don't think he was in his car that time. But I think he's been in, <laughs> he's been around the Blackheath, sorry, the Greenwich Park um, cricket pitch, haven't you, Dave? Oh yeah, we do like we're doing quite a lot on this summer. Yeah, it's never been used for cricket, but it has been quite a good um, uh, runners' circuit. It's been all right, to be honest. And, and, and they keep the grass cut quite short so it's quite handy if you don't mind running around in circles yeah. yeah the thing with Greenwich is it always seems quite busy that's why I 
prefer the heat, just <clears throat> so much open space, especially when we're in the severe lockdown. It was just easy to keep away from people. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, Ben, you, so let's just delve, delve back a bit. So you've come to running relatively late, haven't you? Because you didn't really start posting times until 2018, 2019. Is that right? Uh, well, I guess it's been a bit of a slow... Burns. I mean, I started. So not twenty eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, ten I joined, years. I joined the Harriers in '09, so I'd run a two fifty six marathon before joining the Harriers in '08, and then I got, I got my half down to about one twenty, and I just did a few sessions with Ron, Ron's group. So Mitch sort of introduced me through the Greenwich Tritons. Um, right. So how did you know Mitch? Was that through work? No, I know Mitch. Mitch was a very good friend of my brother at uni, and I know him through my brother. They both went to Loughborough, obviously, where you guys all went. You and uh, Louise and Andy, um, Caroline. But, you know, none of us did athletics back in the day. I mean, my, my background was more tennis. But, oh, okay. you know, you just when you're in the working life, you want to keep yourself fit and active. I've always been involved with sport, and... You know, tennis wasn't really doing it for various reasons. And so, how good we were you at tennis? Sort of a county junior standards. Same with my brother. Um, but when you play, when you're an adult, you have all these juniors coming up, and they start beating you. That they're, they're playing all the time. You can't, you can't find the time to play. So we wanted to do. And Rob's the same. We wanted to keep active. Um, so we entered a few half marathons. You know, as just as mates with Mitch as well. The first one I did with Mitch, we had a hundred pound bet. It was a Windsor half marathon and he reckoned he could, he could take me. Um, it was quite a funny story because uh, it was a Windsor half marathon. We didn't really know what each other's form was like. And the first mile sort of uphill a little bit and we did it, did it in around just over six minutes. I think I only ran it in 128 that day. Um, but, um, Mitch has got to the top of the hill and he started gasping. Yeah, I've gone off too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Finished it in about one forty-two or something. Obviously, we've come a long way from there. But so back to your question. Yeah, I joined um, 09, did a few sessions with with Ron and got the half marathon down from one twenty to one sixteen. Then sort of progressed quite quickly from there. Um, then Dean will remember because we ran a, a few marathons together 2011 we ran most of it together to about 16 miles and i ran 232 and dean ran 231 yeah yeah sounds just, about right yeah it's just been a long process like i heard you mentioning in one of the other podcasts about marginal gains and i had another jump in 2018 i've been i've been stuck at sort of a similar level for a while then got the 5k down and then went to Valencia last year anyway in, in December and got down to 223, which was quite... I mean, yeah, looking at your, um, your profile, just earlier, I mean, you, you're, sort of, you're sort of building to a crescendo, aren't you? I mean, this is, you're almost like, uh, the older you get, I wouldn't say you're like uh, fine wine, more, more sort of cheese sort of going off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do, you, what do you put that down to then? Because... You know, I don't, I don't want to break news to the thousands of listeners, but you, you are, you are V forty now, which, which may, may come to a shock to many people. But uh... I've been a, I mean, I'm 
the V45 next year. Um, wow. Just um, persistence, like a lo- lot of persistence. I mean, so it's funny, I did did take a jump with the shoe technology when I started using the vapor flies, and we've talked about this stage before, but it did coincide with the way I changed my training as well. Um, you know, you can't, you can't attribute gains solely to shoe technology, but when I got my 5K down, I started doing more intervals, like two or three times a week instead of just the one track session a week. I had a race, I remember in 2018 at BMC, where I really got the 5K right down towards 15 minutes from more like 15 and a half, 15.28, I got it down to 15.11. And then from there, I managed to kick on. I mean, one of the other factors actually, I've been training with a good group of um, guys in the city who pushed me pretty hard, um, which obviously has stopped now, unfortunately, but... um, it's like a 220 and a 221 marathon runner and they're all sub-15, well not all of them, but a decent proportion of them are sub-15 5k runners. Doing a few sessions with them has really pushed me on quite a lot. You know, it's the whole the whole group training ethos thing, which I'm sure, you know, you guys tell me about your experiences with that training in groups. So the, well, the, the other amazing thing to me is, for you Ben, is that you mentioned earlier that like you've gone how many days running? Recently? Without a break. I yeah. Went, I had a, a 140 street, but yeah, I ran pretty much. 40 days without, without a break. And you're running all these times really well at your sort of, sort of mid 40s. Um, it's your avoidance of injuries, isn't it? Which astounds me. You seem to be injured very infrequently. Yeah, I think that might partially be due to coming to the sport quite late and not having all yeah, the Yeah, I know we've talked about this. What, what do you put it down uh, to? Um, a bit of luck. Um, I do know when to back off when my body is is telling me something's too tough. You know, I mean, you know I'm a bit stubborn on sessions and like that's why I've sort of backed off from the, the interval sessions recently at track because they, they tend to burn me out quite a lot and... You know, they they take quite a big toll on my body, those flat-out 5K sessions. So now I've sort of stepped back towards doing tempos on the track rather than the intervals. Um, but also a bit of luck um, coming to the sport quite late, not having all the middle-distance background is a negative in a lot of ways because I don't have the flat speed. I'll, I'll never be able to out-sprint anyone at the end of a race unless it's someone like Phil... Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, a three-legged dog could outspin filling in. <laughs> yeah, we did have one one uh, one time in Paddock Wood. <laughs> I think he gave up before it started. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, coming. I mean, not having all that middle distance background has probably saved me some wear and tear on my body as well. But I'd attribute quite a lot of it to luck because I don't do a load of stretching or. Well, we'll come to that in a minute, but Dean, you're the opposite, aren't you? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the last few years, you, you've had a few, haven't you, that have injury-wise held you back? And, uh, yeah, and the last yeah, last couple of years. Um, yeah, both both Achilles. I mean, one was a lot worse uh, than the other. Um, that literally took about uh, six, six to nine months to get that sort of right. And then, yeah, the, the other one went sort of within a month of that 
Um, and that only took a couple of months to kind of go over, so it wasn't as bad. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I haven't really been able to get that consistent training uh, over the last few years for one reason or another. So I remember doing yeah, mostly injuries. You had a period when you were flying, I think it was, I can't remember what year it was, probably four, four years ago or so when you ran the bath. And... No, that was 1989, I think it was. Leave it out, Dave. <laughs> 800. <laughs> yeah, no, that was about four or five years ago, I think, wasn't it? it was, um... I remember you ran a very good um, bath half marathon and some really high-level cross-countries, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the first time in a while that I'd actually done uh, a bit more speed work. To me, I think um, I spent uh, a good few years trying to focus mainly on the mileage and kind of neglected... Uh, the speed work a bit um, but yeah certainly for that season and I, I, I started to race a lot more as well um, I spent a couple of years before that sort of not racing as much and then that year I was kind of like I, I threw myself into having a proper cross-country season uh, and then followed by you know a, a couple of months of road racing um, but at the same time I kind of I probably neglected my long runs or so you know the hard long runs that you need to do I mean going out and just running a long run at an easy or steady pace is fine but i probably needed to do more marathon pace specific yeah. work so i would say yeah you can get away with it at a half marathon you know you, you can use your natural ability and your your track pace that you've got over 5k and 10k and you can just about get away with it over a half and you can put in a really decent time but in a marathon there's just no hiding you you've got to do those long runs and, and you've got to do them with decent efforts in as well yeah. i think we've talked about it i'm just before. going to insult you there because on the phone ringing there is one allison on the answer machine t- telling me the session for tomorrow night <laughs> <laughs> what is it dave I can't hear him, but he's muttering away. I'll find out later. I'll let him know. <laughs> well, that's because his computer's broken and he can't send an email. So I'm, oh. I'm, the, I'm, the, email, I'm the emailer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I've had times I've run, obviously, my PB for the half marathon, 65, 30 something, or 42. I don't know. I can't remember now. I've just me run, you know, two and a half hours, and I've run 69 minutes for a half marathon and still run two and a half hours for, for a marathon. So. Yeah, it's definitely, you do need to get those long, hard marathon sessions in. Yeah, I mean, they tend to be completely exhausting as well. Um, some of the ones I've I've put in <laughs> over the last few years, just trying to think really, like 25 miles with a 17-mile marathon pace tempo in the middle of it. Yeah, that's, so, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> and that was... That was uh, laps of Victoria Park, which is about one mile. I think I did about 17. Well, the small loop in Victoria Park. I did about 17 <laughs> laps of that. See, and Dave moans about my four-mile loops that I do, and then you're doing I know, 17 one-mile loops. Ben, I think what all the listeners will be really keen to know is, because if they ever see you train, you know, with all due respect, you, you can run like a moron. What do you think about when you're going around the laps? What... what? How do you manage to? How do you manage to keep doing the repetitive nature of, of your training? I mean, I think was it last week you did eight miles on the track? Just, just yeah, I did. I did thirty-two laps. Well, I had Danny for um, some of that, but 
yeah, I mean, I've done... How does the psychology to... work? How, what, what is, what's the psychology? How do you play that one? Well, the psychology is... Well, the first thing is uh, running on a track, I find a lot easier than running outside in a park. So I know it's flat and I know what the distance is and I know what lap splits I need to hit roughly. So I don't find the, the psychology too bad, but you don't think about the whole block. If you go and think about the, everything that's ahead, you just you're going to stop probably you just think about each lap at a time and, and tick them off um it is that's that's why it is quite mental i guess in the head being a marathon runner you have to have this focus to make yourself keep going um i mean i did 12 on the track 12 miles so that's 48 laps and a bit before valencia and ron was kindly coming down and calling laps for me <laughs> for that session. Even he got um, bored calling them out, he told me. He says, oh, I've had enough of this. I'll leave it watch yeah. on the side. You can read it yourself. There's got to be one, one thing worse than, than running them is calling them out. Calling your bloody laps out. Yeah. 70 was very fun, 71, 71, 71.5. Not quite that quick, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's the psychology of it. And, you know, having done it a lot in the past, you know, I don't think anyone would be able to come straight to a marathon and do that. But over the years, I've sort of built up, you know, these long solo sessions. And then it culminated in me changing the way I train a bit and doing some of them on the track. I remember Ron telling me, for example, about a Japanese guy who did a long run. Well, as part of his long run, I think he did... There was some some events in Japan where there were five k, like a, a large number of five k races, and the guy did did four of them. With I'm not sure what the recovery was between each. I think it was quite considerable. It wasn't just like five minutes. Maybe it was half an hour or so. But he just whacked out four times five k, and all of them in like fourteen something. Um, so I remember I you know I did. I converted one of those sessions myself, doing four, sort of six miles to warm up, seven miles to warm up or whatever, and then four times 5K off five-minute five, five minute jog or something like that. Yeah, you've sort of taken to doing 5Ks on the track um, in the last few years, and you seem to have done quite well on them. Um, have you enjoyed for it? For racing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think... So that, I think that's a key part of it, actually, Dave, because I've just I've never had the speed. Um, that's been my main problem, and that's been really the thing I've had to work on so hard. And I actually remember having a conversation with Andy, Andy Knight, you know, many years ago, sort of probably a couple of years after I joined the club. Old has yeah. been. Old has been, yeah. Um, but he knows a thing or two, and. Uh, you know, we discussed about the, the limiting factors on how fast you can go at a marathon. Obviously, the limiting factor is a half. How fast can you go in, in a half? The limiting factor to that is how fast you can go over 10K. And it works, it works all the way down the chain, basically. So, you know, you can't really expect to run, you know, there are exceptions, but you can't really expect to run close to 220 if you can't run close to 15 minutes or so in a 5K. I mean... And then suddenly I do tell the guys down the track quite a lot, you know, we may not enjoy this 5k racing, but it's important because, you know, you need that speed, that base speed to make 
going slightly slower, but still a decent whack, feel more comfortable. So, and the BMC is a great event, Dave, to be honest, to give you all the credit you deserve. I mean, these, they're fantastic events for local runners, you know, um, especially for my situation, can get the kids, you know, fed and off towards bed, um, and then get down there and do an evening race. Conditions are normally pretty good. Um, the standard has, has gone up. I remember before there were BMCs, or before we had BMC 5Ks, I think there used to be a few 3Ks and no one ever showed up. Now, you know, we have the A and the B race. And, you know, I'm only finishing in the middle of the A race at best or towards the back if it's a strong field. So it's been yeah, very helpful. The last few years, they've come on quite, quite a lot, the 5Ks, which is nice to see. And now we have two races sort of more or less full. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you. I think you did. The, I think we had a conversation. I think you did one. Was it last year, the year before? I can't you did. You did, did all of them, all four. And I think. Yeah. And, and that was it last year, wasn't it? And then you did the Wimbledon one after it. And I think that series definitely yeah. helps you sort of build. I think you need to. There's a learning process goes on in running the five k. Dean, I don't think when you used to do more of them, you can't just do one five k on the track and expect to run it well. You've got to sort of get your head around it and got to the whole sort of series. Learn the distance really. Yeah, it's the whole series. And then that sort of led in quite well to Valencia because I knew I didn't really need to do any track work. And we had lappers. So I'd alternate lappers with track tempos and, you know, the speed, I could sort of forget about it for a while. And I think it just, last year was almost sort of the perfect season. I mean, I, I broke all my PBs in 12 months. I broke everything, 5K, 10K, um, half and full, which is sort of quite surprising to me at, 43, 44, it's, um, well, 43 I was then, but that's why it's quite frustrating, you know, that we can't race now, and, you know, when you get to my age, you're, you're living on borrowed time a little bit, but hopefully yeah, it's, I'll keep over. Hopefully it's <laughs> good. Uh, you've been on the track for a long time, have you? Is that, are, your, are your 5k track days over, or would you go back to them? Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I am thinking about going back to, yeah, doing some some more track racing over the next couple of years. Um, mostly because I actually, I actually miss running fast now. I mean, I, I'm never going to run as fast as what I used to, but, you know, I, 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 I still quite enjoy trying to run fast. Um, but also, I mean, the, you know, the little one, um, I'm not going to be able to put in as much effort into, into training for a marathon, I think, um, over the next few years. So, yeah, I, I might just, you know, use the marathon as an end of season something just because I enjoy running London. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll probably, yeah, start having more of a track season, uh, especially now that I'm a vet. So I'll probably go off and do a few more vet races, um, local local races. Um, and, yeah, still keep up the cross country because I still think, you know, I could still have, a, a you know, a decent cross country season again at some point if I can just get, my head together and get some consistent training and also if I get myself a pair of these uh, night vapor flies whatever they are well uh, yeah let's go <laughs> we should say that because I'm just reading a headline here and this is the headline and as you as Ben my main protagonist on this issue is here uh, this is the headline on the British website if you don't wear them don't expect to be competitive quote and that's Was that from Stephen Scullion He's 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 talking about everything these days, but is him? Yeah. If you don't wear them, don't expect to be competitive. 
what's going on here? Is it is it all a bit dodgy these these shoes? Have, it, have either of you guys ever worn a pair? I've I've never worn a pair, so I I'm I'm really on the fence about this issue. If I'm honest, Dave, have you ever? I can't even afford to try them on, Ben. <laughs> what size are you? I'll, I'll bring some down tomorrow. Um, um, I mean, you've been wearing them now for, for over a year, haven't you? Two years, have you worn A year and a half? Yeah, I think, I guess, yeah, I started wearing them in summer 2018, and obviously there's a few iterations. Um, yeah, because they banned some... one of them, they banned the ones that What's His Face was wearing for the, the world record attempt. Yeah, they banned yeah. those. Those were a special prototype, but then they've released another one that's sort of... So they're on the third iteration now, and they sold out immediately. I haven't looked at buying those. Um, who knows what they're like? I mean, they, to be honest, they look a bit more like space boots than running shoes, the, the third iteration. Um, I mean, a, a lot of the other companies have started... Yeah, lots, it's quite a lot of market now. Mm have started releasing similar but I, I've never tried any of the other um, pairs I mean it is it is a controversial subject isn't it um, you know not everyone PBs all the time in them actually I wore a pair of Vaporfly for London in 2019 after breaking all my PBs and I had a sort of relatively disappointing run I didn't I didn't manage to beat my times of 2016 and 2017 so was that the scorcher no 2019 was I had a slight issue with uh my leg just two weeks out from the race and you probably remember Dave um I just had to back off the training slightly which might have cost me it wasn't a scorcher it was is that when you did those hills (laughs) yeah yeah that's right (laughs) I went to see the physio, the, the Kent AC physio, and uh, I was desperate to run again. And he said, look, you need to run slow. But basically, if you need to keep your cardio up, um, you can do some hills if you want to. So I was really shuffling around. I went into Greenwich and I did um, Crooms Hill about about uh, 10, 12 times in the middle of a long run. And then I sort of... Uh, <laughs> Wrote myself off for about four or five days in the two weeks. So you took advice from Ken AC Physio before the London Marathon. They was obviously worried about Cambridge Harriers and the team prize for London. You just need record. to run slower, Ben. <laughs> and don't yeah. wear those trainers. Yeah. So so I guess the trainers didn't didn't get me over the line then, but you know, I, I tend to take to them quite well i guess the other um, thing is that maybe if you hadn't have worn them you'd have been four percent slower that's true but i was in that i thought i was in the shape of my life going into london in 2019 and for various reasons didn't quite happen which i you know it's hard when you're a marathon runner it's, things can just go slightly wrong and you know when you're talking a matter of 20 seconds over or 30 40 seconds over 26 miles it's nothing is it um i mean i i was sort of 40 seconds outside of um 225 and what i sort of concluded after talking to various people and looking back at my training was the training i did in the lead up to 2019 london was got me in superb shape for a half marathon all the interval stuff and the fast 5ks 
but I decided or I concluded that my long runs weren't quite hard enough in the sense that the whole effort for the long run wasn't quite hard enough. I was backing off quite a lot for the for the jog bits between the the hard bits. So when I went into Valencia, I just made the whole long run continuous continuously difficult over sort of 20 to 25 miles without much backing off so even the easy miles are about sort of 6 30 or faster pace and the fast miles was sort of as close to marathon pace as I could that was what I thought made the difference for Valencia but again it could just be you had a good day you know there's there's not much in it at marathon level sometimes things just go right for you Valencia is a fast course so Mm-hmm. Dean, come back to the trainers. Have you got any, have you got these trainers? No, I haven't got a pair of these trainers. I'm the same as you, Dave. I can't afford a pair. But if you could afford a pair, would you get a pair? Um, I think I would just just to see what they're like. I'd, I'd like to be yeah to be able to train them and just see you know how much of a difference um they make. Because I mean I, I'm 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 so on the fence about them. They have cut the price actually on um, the older ones. I think you can find them for about 125 now. Oh, we so can afford them. Don't fall for that one. You didn't afford them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, technology moves on and everything like that. And but what I the, don't know. There's, there's two takes on this, isn't there? Uh, for me, there's two takes. One take is that they do work. And they do offer you a percentage gain. And therefore, what the, what the next question that follows that is, okay then, but is that uh, a fair gain or is it an artificial gain? Debate. The second thing is, it's absolutely, it doesn't actually give you any gain at all. And it's the most fantastic marketing strategy that, that Nike have employed in the last 20 years. And it's worked because they're, they're, they're sold like, they're selling like hotcakes, it seems like. So I'm not sure which side of lie, really. I mean, whichever way, I mean, if you, I always talk about if you go back to, I think it's the 80s, um, Gatorade, the sports drink, uh, were the first to come out with a sports drink in the world. And they said they had the evidence to show that by drinking Gatorade, um, you would get performance gains. And basically, everybody um, started drinking Gatorade in America. And then it came to, the, came to Europe after that. And people put down to increase performances down to Gatorade. And you just had to have a sports drink. And, and, and that was the gospel. And, and they had facts, you know, they had this science to, to back it up. What turned out in the end is the science they used was rubbish. And it wasn't, it wasn't strong enough. An actual fact, there wasn't hardly any evidence to suggest that sports drinks are absolutely crucial to the performance. But it didn't matter because for the time yeah. that they for the time that they marketed Gatorade, it was a tremendous success and everybody bought it. And this rings a little bit of of, of the flies. And because there's a lot of factors in running, isn't it? The psychosomatic, the psychology, there's there's all sorts of things. It, but it could be true, but it may not be true. I'm just not sure where I stand on it. If it is true, if it is true and they're giving you a 4% increase, effectively, is that not like the swimsuits, the one-piece swimsuits that were banned? In yeah, swimming? the shark suits, yeah. Years yeah. 
I mean, I think it, you know, it comes across as being performance enhancing. And I mean, where do you draw the line with, you know, stuff that are performance enhancing? Well, that's another podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things about performance enhancing. I mean, going to train at altitude is legal, but... Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's the thing. I mean, these shoes are effectively, you know, legal performance enhancing, which if they're legal, then, you know, it's, it's legal. I mean, we can't ban all the Kenyans from training in Iton and say, no, you can't train in Kenya. You've got to come down to sea level and train in Europe with the rest of us. I guess you look at other sports as well. You know, you have technology developments in other sports. I think it's because people see running as you know, probably one of the purest sports because it's just like you and a pair of trainers. But things like cycling, you know, swimming, we've talked about. Well, look at tennis rackets. Tennis rackets, exactly. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult one, but like, it's hard for them to shut sort of Pandora's box once they'd opened it. So they had to design rules sort of retrospectively to stop it getting ridiculous. And mo- most of the people I've spoken to and the sort of top level runners I've chatted to actually, you know, regardless of whether they you know, put aside whether they improve your performance or not, you know, let's say, let's say they, for the sake of argument, they, they do help you. Um, People have been happy to to get the first and second iterations, but for some reason, and I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, people that I've you know at, at our level are reticent to for this to just go on and on and on. You know, there's got to be a line somewhere. Um, I guess the governing body has tried to draw that line now, but it's it's quite tricky. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're playing catch-up, aren't they? They're, they're, not, they're not ahead of the game, behind yeah, the game. Yeah, continually playing catch-up. They have to, you know, they have to sort of expunge a load of performances from records if, if they did do that. And how do you do that? Dean, how do you do that? With a giant eraser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't know. I just... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. What's going to happen? Should, other manufacturers are now producing very similar products because yeah. they've realized that whether it's whether it's based on really sound evidence or not, people who are serious about the running are not going to stand on the same line with um, inferior technology. Um, so they've got to make they've got to make the same thing. So they're all coming out with them now. They're yeah. all going to sell them. And in, in probably in two or three years' time, any Serious running shoe will have this technology. Yeah, um, it's going to be, it'll be an equal playing field again, I yeah. guess. In the years. And the cost, the cost, the cost will then come down as well because that's what tends to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but may, but maybe there's been a few years where now what could happen at that point, which is not unheard of, because this is what happened in swimming. Initially, it was one or two guys and girls who had the swimsuits. And then everybody's going, oh, whoa, 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 this, you know, you literally watch the swimming race and one or two would have it on. And then eventually they all had it on. And then what's happening is down at club level, people were buying the same suits as well. And then FINA, the World Governing Body for Swimming, suddenly then decided, we've just looked at this seriously now <laughs> and, and they give you too much of an advantage. So we're going to ban them all. So I don't know what swimming did with their times. So I presume they must have got the, got rid of them or changed them what have they, I don't yeah, know I can't remember what they've done either but I know that some of the times have now been beaten 
without like some, without those yeah, yeah some yeah. of the times have now been beaten without the swimsuit but i mean whether they just yeah as you say got rid of the records or not i don't know wasn't it even the same with javelins where they have, there's a javelin that yeah. they were yeah. thrown practically out of the stadium yeah, <laughs> yeah well that wasn't actually that was yeah they, safety that, they were going outside the track so they had to weight them differently so they didn't travel as far you, you're quite yeah. right to do that yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, even though, you know, they could be giving you this percentage of improved performance, you've still got to be capable of doing that performance. You've still got to go out and do the training. Absolutely. You, know, you, can't, you can't take yeah. away, you know, how much effort actually goes into, you know, if you're a two, 220 marathon runner and, you know, you put these shoes on and you run 218, you've still had to be in, you know, two, 220 shape to be able to run anywhere near that time. There's still a lot of work that goes into it. It's not like you just turn up with these trainers and, oh, that's it, yeah, breaking PBs all over the place. Yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, blew that it, is the thing. When I blew at London, they didn't help me in 2019. It was just like, okay, one foot in front of the other. Uh, there's not much bounce in the leg. <laughs> just get to the finish. And Ben, what are you going to do if London doesn't go ahead? Um, so that's, that's potentially a little bit demotivating. I think I've mentioned, Dave, I've, I've also got an entry for Jersey the same yeah, what, day. What have they said, Jersey? What's, what's the latest on that one? They put it off. They were, they're, they're consulting various bodies to see whether they can put it on. I think, again, there's a lot of unknowns there. I mean, if they've got COVID cases right down, why would they want foreigners to come in? to potentially, you know, cause yeah, problems. Even in the last seven days, I think it's been a, it's changed again, hasn't it? Because um, when we spoke last week, I actually thought maybe they'll, they'll go, there's a chance. I actually think it's even, the situation's got worse than it was yeah. seven days ago. Because yeah. there were some of these test events that were meant to happen, weren't they, this weekend? Yeah. They cancelled those, and they were about getting more, sort of small amounts of spectators. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jersey's a smaller race, so maybe it's got a chance, but how they would treat foreign athletes, I really don't know. Um, London, it's hard to see how they're going to go ahead, but the email sort of sounded, it sounded vaguely optimistic, which was quite surprising. Um, I think they've promised a decision by this Friday. I think Jersey will have, they need to decide, basically, because they can't leave people in limbo forever. Um, so assuming Jersey and London got cans, I'm also in Valencia. Again, there's a whole load of uncertainty over that with Spain. Yeah, because Spain's even, Spain's even worse than But they could be on a third or fourth wave by, by December. The second yeah. wave would be long gone. Um, but there was some talk of maybe for elites only, and I don't, you know, where do they draw the line? Their first wave of runners is sub-225, so... Uh, maybe I'd have a chance of being in it. I don't know. But then it's like, how do you train? How do you motivate? You know, with no other races going on, or likely, you know, not not many build-up races, no track season behind you. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to run one just to run a race, you know, same as probably Dean would like to run a cross-country race at the moment, you know, regardless of how it went. Um, it'd be nice to just pull a vest back on and, and get in a race with other people. Um, if everything gets canned, then it's going to be, it's going to be pretty hard to motivate again. I'll probably start 
I've just started building the mileage up a little bit in case London goes ahead or one of the others. But if they all get cans, then I guess it's just tick over till next year and see what happens. Yeah, get down the boozer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might as well enjoy, enjoy your social life, right? The pubs are open. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? You, you're quite pessimistic on um, all this stuff, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I just cannot see. It's the ancillary side of these races. It's the it's the volunteers. It's the St. John's people, all the people that they need to run them. Yeah. I mean, if we can't go ahead with those events of the weekend, I think we're 3,000 spectators. Um, and they had to cancel those. It's bubbling up in Manchester, East Lancashire, Yorkshire, um, the mood music just isn't very good, is it, really, for, for London? I just, I just cannot see. And the problem will be is it might be all right in October, but you can't leave it to like a couple of weeks out and say, oh, it's on, it's on, it's on, everybody. Well, and, uh, and equally, equally, it could be fine, you know, and then the week before the race, it could bike up and they'd have to cancel the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating that other sports are back. But sort of mass road running, you know, we've discussed it at track a few times, haven't we? You know, you can maybe manage a small track event for the shorter distances, but even with the 5Ks, even with the BMC 5Ks, it seems difficult to get a field back of about 20. So for mass road running, how are they going to do it? I mean, ha- Hamburg, I think it was Hamburg has got plans to go ahead with masks before and afterwards. I don't know, again, how they're going to do that. You'd have to carry a mask with you in the race and put it on at the end. So. You get it free in your goodie bag at the end. Yeah, <laughs> you got your five gels and your mask. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I guess stepping back a little bit, you know, why do we all run? Because we we enjoy it. I mean, going back to track is is a massive release. Just training with the group again and just being around the guys and the girls. It's been great to get back and just have a sense of normality, you know. So I guess I'll just carry on with that, Dave. Look forward to lappers. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, going back down to the track, one of the really nice things I've always felt is it's the contrast of being able to run on the from a normal day, being at work, sat at a desk probably, to then be able to go down to a track and try and run around it. Mm. Uh, for me, that contrast is what you miss when you don't have that. It, 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 and when you can do it, even even if, it, as you say, even if it doesn't culminate in a race or something like that, just being able to do that contrast of running quite quickly around the track, when I say that, in a dim light. Um, <laughs> you just feel better afterwards, don't you? Yeah, you, you know? do. I think that's, we're all of a similar mindset. Anyone who's at a running club, sort of, wants to run for various reasons it's not just to get times it's you know it's about mental well-being and you know keeping yourself in shape and see obesity is a, a risk factor in covid so you know we are doing the best possible thing for ourselves that belly down what's that keep that belly down yeah yeah exactly what 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 uh what gets on your nerves we can talk about dean uh Cross-country running, I am you like that and enjoy it. Kent Champ, Kent Champ, she did about five years ago at the Hive. 
Uh, cross country, I've never been big on. Scarred, <laughs> I've been scarred by cross country. I know I've, I'm probably not contributing very much to the whole uh, team effort for the cross country, but I've never been very good at it. And that's all right. Um, Neither's Dave, and he still rocks up every every week. No, no, that's because Dave's <laughs> my mentor. What advice would you give Ben to somebody starting out uh, marathon running late in life? Um, so late in life, I mean, you have to. Well, any that. stage in life, or any stage in life. Well, join I mean, Cambridge areas. <laughs> There's plenty of things. I mean, I guess we've had a pretty good history at Cambridge Harriers. We've, you know, we've done quite well in the, the national champs a few times. But marathon running, I think, you know, first you have to enjoy your running because there's a lot of training involved. Um, you need to get your long runs in. It's probably the key point. You can't go into a marathon without without doing any 20 plus milers otherwise it's just going to be a miserable day out you know assuming people want to try to enjoy the marathon you've got to get some long runs in um preferably with a little bit of effort in them um join a running club as well join cambridge harriers it worked for me um i mean it depends on where your weaknesses are but anyone coming to running a bit later in life probably doesn't have the whole sort of track background and doesn't have the speed background so the whole um, interval sessions and and also tempo sessions will really help kick you on I mean in the intervals was when I started that sort of uh, a real uh, awakening awakening yeah I mean, it was a real wake-up call basically it was like you know I didn't even realize that kind of training really existed I think we did a few did a few intervals on the track, then a whole session of lappers, then back on the track. And then, you know, that, that kind of training just massively boosts your performance if you've never done it before, which people come in late to run and haven't. And the contrast is, Dean, you, you like to train on your own, Dean, don't you? I'm just wondering, is that true? Am I reflecting you accurately there? Um, most of the time I like to, yeah, train on my own. Um, but yeah, I, I do like training in a group. I think, you know, when you're doing a track session, there's nothing better than having, you know, a, a, a good quality group of athletes around you. Um, but also, you know, the training has got to suit you as well. And sometimes you can't always, um, you know, fit in with, with, with certain groups at times. Um, you know, you've got your own sort of lifestyle that you can't, well, not lifestyle, but, you know, um, I trained with another group um, a few years back and, you know, it was, it was a really good group, but they just, they started too late for me. And it was kind of like, you know, by the time I finished work and everything and, you know, got to the track and then, you know, warmed up, trained, come back home, like just my, my day just got longer and longer. And I just found that it's, you know, it affected my recovery. So like the next day I'd feel, you know, really lethargic because, you know, I'd had such a, a sort of long day the day before. Um, and yeah, once I sort of stopped training with that group and went back down to, to Sutcliffe again, um, yeah, I found that my performance started to, to go back up again. Just, you know, the energy levels were a lot higher. Um, and of course, Ben, you were saying like, uh, well, not only do you use the club, but you also use your Wednesday sort of city gang as well. So you, 
groups are doing quite a lot for you, aren't they? Or have done quite a lot for you. Yeah, I've been lucky sort of track for marathon training and um, well, mainly during marathon training. I've had Danny has been, we've been pretty close on the track recently, such that we can literally just rotate intervals and basically be finishing together. And 2019, we had a pretty good um, two months build up into London. Um, and then, yeah, the group I trained in the city, there's some serpentine runners, some Wimbledon runners, pretty strong clubs. And I mean, I ran a, a 10k PB earlier in this year, just before we, we all got locked down. And that that used to help sort of going out for some tempos with them. And I'd literally feel sick before the session because I knew what they were about to do to me. Um, I sort of just hang with them as long as I could and sort of tailor sessions so that I could drop off, just jog for a few minutes and then catch them on the, catch them coming the other way on the loop and then go with them again. And it just, like Dean said, it just really drives you on the whole group training thing. You know, it's sort of easier mentally not to train with a group sometimes because you know you don't have to push yourself as hard, but you're not going to, well, you, you're often not going to run as fast rather than if you can slot into a group and just hang on you can be running faster without even really knowing about it um but it has to work for you as well and your lifestyle and you know our age and you know seeing the little one along as well i've got a couple of little ones that's partly why i have to not talk about that now though (laughs) (laughs) but that's why you have to pick and choose you know what you do when you train what races you do and i guess coming back to the cross-country thing i've always been more focused on the big road races and I'm always but for a big marathon I you know happy to travel or a big half and I, partly a function of not being very good at cross country as well I've just I had a few goes at the Kents and the the Southerns at Parliament Hill I had to do that once I remember that being a pretty miserable experience in the mud <laughs> um you know what? I'm going to write to Nike after this and I'm going to tell them to make some uh, vapor fly cross country spikes and I bet you'd be in it uh, I don't think you get much bounce in that mud on Parliament Hill. Oh, I'm sure they can make some special spikes for that. If they yeah. get Elias Kipchoge to run across country, I'm sure, I'm sure they'd find a way to, <laughs> to promote how great these spikes are. Spikes <laughs> with, a, with a motor in them or something. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all for this week's episode. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Fingers crossed it won't be another three weeks before we upload another episode.